Hello and welcome to The Hook, the podcast that breaks down ideas, concepts and stories so we can make sense of what's happening around us. I am Ashima Sharma. On October 2, 2018, Jamal Khashoggi, a Saudi journalist working for Washington Post, entered his country's consulate in Istanbul and was never seen again. His killing has resonated around the world both as an attack on media freedom and as an insight into a repressive regime. On the Press Freedom Day then, the most important question becomes, is the press a chained watchdog? To break this down, joining me is Professor Tom Goldstein, an American journalism educator who served as the Dean of Columbia and Berkeley School of Journalism. Good afternoon, Professor. Good afternoon. So, sir, tell us what is press freedom in real terms and what are the responsibilities of a free press? That's a, a tricky question. It's trickier than you make it sound sometimes. And sometimes press freedom can be defined by the person who you ask, so it's a subjective answer. Let me try to give you my, my sense of what it is. Press freedom may be better described as the freedom to criticize those in authority, which the press enables, freedom of speech. While it can be robust, and we celebrate this day, Press Freedom Day, in recognition of the powers that the press and the population has to criticize those in power, uh, I think your metaphor of a chained watchdog is a very good one. I mean, the press uh, has come around. It wasn't always the case. I mean, the press was many things. The press was an advertising vehicle. Still, which is still partially true, but the press, the best sense uh, of the word is a watchdog of those in power, a watchdog of public officials in power. And there are certain limitations to that. The, the limitations are episodic. What happened to Mr. Khashoggi was just unspeakable. And it's hard, but it's hard to generalize from that. It's one particular country who had this articulate, heroic critic, and they chose to deal with him in the most horrendous way. Now, can we say that that's how everyone gets dealt with? No. Does that discourage other people from criticizing uh, those in government? It may, uh, in, particularly in the, the instance of Saudi Arabia. We don't know. So that's why I say the general notion to, to criticize uh, and to measure that. So the U.S. enacted the First Amendment, which grants the right to freedom of press. Yeah. So after Donald Trump came to power, what is the state of press freedom in the U.S.? Slightly less than when he, when he came to power. But a lot, of, I mean, a lot of Donald Trump is bluster. He talks a lot, doesn't necessarily mean it. I mean, there are in individual instances of Trump and the people who work for him picking on the press. But generally speaking, uh, well, two things. There are two strands that sometimes get confused. Trump has been great for the press in the United States. He sells, as they say, newspapers. People watch him on television. He's a character. So he's been good for the press. Uh, his picking on the press, well, it's not so good. But at the same time, he loves the press. He loves the attention. Uh, and the press, there's a danger of taking Donald Trump too seriously. Because I have this picture of him uh, going home, whispering to his friends, you see what I got away with today? I mean, he does not have a consistent ideology. He wants people to pay attention to him. And he is calculated. He is calculated. It's a 
specific calculation that the population is uncomfortable with the press and that just what is the press which has changed dramatically. But Trump has a visceral sense that picking on the press, that killing the messenger makes him more popular. Does that mean he believes it? I doubt it. Does he have a consistent ideology about the press? No. He wants to be friendly with reporters. He loves reporters. He loves the attention. So this year, India's ranking on the Press Freedom Index was 140 among 180 other countries. Why do countries like India or other countries like ours fail to enact press freedom enjoyed in other parts of the world? Let me take a stab at that because I'm, I'm not sure I can answer it. First, you know, ranking 140 out of 180. And as much as I respect the people who have put the press freedom t- together and, and having a day rec- recognizing press freedom, I think there may be a false spec- specificity in that number. What is 139 and 141 and what what are the differences? Almost impossible to say. I mean, I think it's fair to say that India can do better and it falls short. Why does it fall short? I mean, a lot of it has to do with tradition of freedom of the press. Uh, Lots of it has to do with the politics of the moment. Lots of it has to do with the notion in the United States, you referred to earlier, the watchdog press. I think there's less of a tradition in this country of a watchdog press and more of a press that uh, accedes to those in authority. And that's a cultural change. And it doesn't necessarily have officials in India aren't going around maiming the critics. But there is this sense of uh, concern amongst those who are the critics that they will be punished. That's not good. Uh, India needs to do better in that particular front. And it, and again, I mean, it will go way up if that, that happens. I mean, to, the notion of an adversary press, which is baked into the American system, even though it's not always abided by, you know, the, advers- you know, the press is the adversary of the government. Not because reporters hate politicians, but reporters' jobs are to keep the politicians and government officials accountable. That doesn't necessarily sit well with those in power. And once India gets to accept that role of the press more, it will shoot up in the numbers. So the most powerful media outlets in India are either state-run or state-funded, at least partially. How can independent media gain traction in these markets then? State media is its job is to promote the state. That's a, which was what the press was worldwide two centuries ago. Uh, in many advanced democracies, it has moved away from that. It has not totally moved away from that in India, but it's on. You know, one can say it's on the trajectory. And uh, what? And then the question is: You talk about independent media. Uh, that's a. Tr- uh, tricky phrase. I mean, independent of whom? I mean, independent in the United States, which isn't necessarily the model which we should all look to in order to emulate. Independent means you are privately controlled, Either you know, and there, there are two methods of private control, neither of which is perfect, one of which you get a, a really rich guy, maybe you can say two plus, a different way, you get a really rich guy like the, like the kings of several centuries ago who owned the media as well. Uh, and if they're enlightened and if they're good people and if they say, well, we want the media to uh, call it as they see it, that's one thing. Uh, but if they say, well, we, we own the media and the media should promote my, our views and my business interests, 
that's not so good. The second type of private ownership is uh, advertising-based. You rely on big advertisers. In the United States, over the course of the last 100 years or so, this is varied. For most of the time, the private advertisers were department stores. And so the fate of the press was determined by how well some merchant in New York or elsewhere sold dry goods. Not a perfect system either. There was a period not so long ago when cell phone manufacturers were terrific advertisers. That's changed. At the moment, one of the major forms of advertising in the United States is movies. Not so much to get lure people to go to movies, but to lure, but to influence people who are voting on prizes. This is a crazy system, and, and, it, go, and, it, and it goes through phases. And so to say, you know, that an independent, privately funded system is necessarily better, I would take issue with it. Uh, we, but I wouldn't take issue with we need to find different forms of ownership. And you, or different ways of financing the media. And you, you're seeing experiments, you, you know, largely on the web, but you see something like the, the newspaper The Guardian is becoming a subscription model. And that seems to be working. Uh, that initially worked in the United States with what was known as public radio, which really wasn't public radio and public television. And people would send in money each month or each year and it became a donation system, and that seemed to work. Uh, if that and that works, that has worked in the United States in sort of uh, the prestige media, uh, and that it's, it's remains to be seen if that can be transported to other countries uh, and to media other than the prestige media. But we certainly need to look at different models. So, sir, in the age of post-truth and fake news, how can the audience trust news? I'm not, and we won't get into it, I'm not quite sure what fake news is. I mean, it's, it's Donald Trump, the person who likes news, calling it fake, you know, calling it a bad name, calling it a pejorative, trying to kill the messenger to get his ideas across. But the audience, I mean, the way the audience has to do to trust, to trust news, it has to educate itself. And it has to use many outlets go to many outlets. You can't force people to do that, but you, there are ways of encouraging it. In the United States, I mean, it is often said now, I mean, it's become a cliche, Fox News represents right-wing Republicans. But if you watch Fox News, it's not necessarily the case. If you watch Fox News in the daytime, for example, it's pretty good news shows, in my view. At nighttime, it's opinion. People who watch it need to understand that. It needs to be reinforced that Fox News is like an old-fashioned newspaper. The daytime news is like the front pages, the news sections of newspapers. The evening shows, the opinion shows, are like the editorial pages. When you read the editorial pages of a newspaper in the United States or in this country, you have a pretty good idea where it's coming from. And you read it to reinforce your biases, you don't usually read, not many people read them to, 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 you know, to challenge themselves. Uh, but what we need is a greater understanding. Uh, and I think that will lead to greater confidence in, what, in the news then. Thank you so much for joining us. And thanks so much for listening in. Please write to ashima.sh at gmail.com with suggestions, issues, or topics that you want us to break down for you.